0: It's time for another Political Rewind. I'm Bill Niger. Thank you all so much for joining us. Um, we've got a couple of my favorite people, a few of my favorite people on the show today. It's Friday, which means my partner is Jim Galloway, the uh, former political columnist from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Um, Jim, how are you? I'm doing great. I've missed a couple Fridays, so it's good to be back on the saddle here. Yeah, I'm really happy to uh, have you back with us. As a matter of fact, um, and when I said there are some real favorites of mine, that means I'm really happy to be talking to two longtime uh, political veterans, elected officials in the state of Georgia. Mike Thurmond, who is now the DeKalb County CEO, longtime Democrat in the state, He's served in a number of capacities in state office, including as a constitutional officer when he ran, uh, the labor, uh, department, but that's just a, a brief sample of, uh, many of his, uh, uh, over the years. Mike, how are you?
1: I'm great. Good morning, Jim, Mr. Galloway. Always good to see you.
0: And we're also joined by Sam Olens, the former attorney general of the state of Georgia before that, a uh, very, very popular, uh, Chairman of the Cobb County Commission, longtime uh, mainstream uh, Republican. Sam, I always feel like I better add the word mainstream when I talk about people being Republicans these days.
2: Yeah, I don't know what to really call me nowadays, Bill. Uh, maybe just purveyor of common sense, but uh, it's a <laughs> pleasure to be here with you all today.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're actually going to talk a little bit about that in a short while on the show. But um, if you'll all, um, go along with me on this, I'd like to first start with an issue that I had put into the headlines for yesterday's show, which was an update on where things stand with the Atlanta Police Training Center. We ran out of time to get to it. And so I just want to talk about it briefly today, because Jim, in the last week, a couple of things that have happened that are of interest, I believe. Number one, city council held a public hearing. That had an enormous turnout, Um, according to reports, more than 300 people showed up, uh, wanting to testify. Not all of them obviously got a chance to do that. Virtually everyone who testified was opposed to the training center. The uh, hearing got raucous at times, but um, also this past week, city council began taking its first steps toward uh, uh, earmarking 30 million dollars toward the police training center, and. Mayor Dickens wrote an op-ed piece for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution in which I think he made his clearest case yet for why he believes we should build the center. So, uh, Jim, here's my question. The city has every intention of moving forward with this. Um, That's their endgame. I'm not quite sure I understand what the endgame is for those who continue to oppose it.
3: Yeah. And that's, and that's where the puzzle is because, you, because, uh, because I mean, you had people at the city hall, uh, 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 uh making, making their demands that, uh, the city, the, the, the city of Atlanta and Decap County abandoned this, this effort. And it, it's, it's, you know, I, I did, you talked about three hundred people being there. I think a hundred or so test actually testified. This is one one of the things I actually really really like about Atlanta City Hall. I I mean, I covered them. I I, I was I was I was posted there during the Andy Young days, and and you know, it's a tradition in, in in the Atlanta City Hall that you never shut somebody up. You let everybody talk it out, and 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 that's what happened on Wednesday. That the thing, but the thing is that you 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 you. Uh you know, there was I don't think there was any call for defunding the police, but you know in, in essence, it was a, tra- a a call for detraining the police, I think. I mean, and that's where I, that's that's there. There are, there are many things that that the uh, that this project has has had gone wrong. I mean, transparency is one. Uh, a lack of messaging at the at 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 the other end. But I think you're right. I think that the 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 piece that uh, that uh, that the mayor had in uh, in in uh, in yesterday's uh, AJC pretty much laid it out that if you want if you want policing and and everyone in Atlanta wants policing, they don't like the violence. Uh, then you have to have. Uh, officers equipped to to tackle that violence in a in a very responsible way.
0: Mike Thurman, you, of course, have had a little piece of this because the property for the training center sits in DeKalb County. And so you have, um, I, I don't, I think it's fair to say, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, you have not been the object of the kind of protests that uh, city officials have. Uh, nevertheless, you have had to defend your position in terms of granting the uh, permitting to begin the process of building the center.
1: Well, two things. Uh, my role in this uh, and CAP County's role in this is that we want to make sure that all rules, ordinances, laws are followed by both sides of this argument. The property owned by Atlanta sits in DeKalb County, so consequently, Uh, Our responsibility is to, number one, protect the health and safety of the people who live near the facility, protect their quality of life, and, of course, to protect the environment because it sits in a very unique natural resource. We're going to continue to do that to ensure that each side has the opportunity to exercise their rights, whatever they may be, and we've not taken a position directly in the construction of the training center, because we don't feel that that's our responsibility right now. Atlanta is a legal property owner in Decap. They will follow the rules and regulations outlined. Those who protested, those who live, work, and play and seek to do so, we will protect that right as well.
0: Sam, let me bring you in uh, by quoting a little bit of what uh, Mayor Dickens uh, wrote in his op-ed piece for the AJC. As a father, I want a safe and vibrant city for my family, and I know that each of us, no matter our zip code, wants the same thing. To do that, we must invest in a balanced approach that includes both addressing the root causes of crime as well as investing in the recruitment, retention, and training of our first responders. For many months, the conversations about this facility, the Atlanta Police Training Center, have been fueled by fear, misinformation, and an us-versus-them mindset. I want to offer another perspective that speaks to my commitment as your mayor. The Atlanta Police Training Center will not be cop city. The training center is about comprehensive public safety. Recent incidents like the tragic shootings in Midtown and Atlantic Station show that when a crisis hits, we rely on all our first responders to be on top of their game. And I do think That is the most complete and, uh, uh, I think, uh, forthright statement that Mayor Dickens has made about this uh, so far. Sam?
2: Look, for for anyone who's ever toured a police training center, it's all about competence. It's all about giving those recruits and officers the ability to do their job well. There are no conspiracies within that building. It's all about best practices. Um, So I certainly agree with what the mayor wrote and has stated, but I think more importantly, if one were to put on a chart, the qualities that were needed in the new mayor of Atlanta, Mayor Dickens satisfies those qualities and more. He is exactly the right person at this time to be leading the city of Atlanta.
0: You know, Sam, as I was uh, thinking about our show today, it seems to me there's a common theme in a couple of the items we're going to talk about. And that is um, the uh, what Mayor Dickens calls an us versus them mindset. Um, in this case, of course, it's between those who believe, as you just said, the police training center is an important way to um, uh, make sure that our police force is acting uh, more responsibly um, and, and at the highest levels. Um, but, but the opponents um, are convinced, these are, these are people who've had longstanding grievances about the way police have, in fact, operated in many jurisdictions, leading to things like the death of George Floyd, the shooting of the protester, who was uh, sitting in a tent in the forest and may have fired first, but nevertheless was killed. Um, The opponents aren't backing down, Sam. What do you do uh, with regard to them? Do you just say, we're going to go ahead and build this thing? How do you handle them?
2: I think you need to provide uh a... the public with the opportunity to make their comments and you need to have a constructive dialogue. That's exactly what CEO Thurman talked about months ago. You, 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 you don't hide. You have to provide that, that venue uh, and you need to earn their trust. There's just no other way around it.
3: Jim. Yeah. And, and the question is how you do that. And, and, Uh, this is kind of, I don't want to say it's an exact mirror of what, what we're dealing with on the right, but you do have, I mean, you do have a, a, a group of people, uh, mostly white, very young. Uh, and I, I believe most of the people in, in, at, at Wednesday's hearing were, were residents of the city of Atlanta, but they are, they are, they're, 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 you know, they're, they're not, they're newcomers in one way or the other uh just by by virtue of their youth they're not they're not clued into uh i guess the 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 the, the black historical experience of of self government and that's you know it's that's you 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 see that being challenged in these uh you saw that challenged in these in these wednesday's hearing wednesday hearings i think it's just it's 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 very interesting to see uh, a political discussion that's that's not rooted in 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 a civil civil rights movement that really dominated the city from sixty to seventy
0: to eighty ninety uh, Mike, I think that's a really interesting point. Um, that you did have a great many uh, protesters, opponents testifying, uh, many of them were white, talking to uh, in many cases black Atlanta city council members who were the very people who I think many of the protesters would say have been targets of police violence in the past and ought to be more uh, uh, attuned to the experiences that the Black community has faced at the hands of of police who have uh, not acted in their best, who've been violent toward them.
1: Well, that's true. But those same elected officials and all the people who elected them have also been the targets of criminal activity and have witnessed you know, almost unparalleled amounts of violence, gun violence in the community. So you have to weigh those two experiences to to help understand, I believe, the position that's being taken by some of the elected officials in the city of Atlanta. I do want to add though, those individuals who spoke from based on the media reporting, uh, they were very, they followed the rules that were offered to them to, as you stated, Bill, the city of Atlanta says you can speak until you know you are heard. So there's nothing wrong with having an opposing position to what a government may or may not choose to do. The issue early on was the violence that was taking place. So I didn't really see any violence. And I don't think we should uh, be upset that people are exercising their constitutional rights to speak against Michael Thurman or uh, Andre Dickens or any other elected official. This is what America is all about. Uh, I do believe that some of their arguments and protests are being taken into consideration in terms of how this project is moving forward. You acknowledge missteps were made early. The mayor's uh, op-ed piece I think was excellent. And I think it represents a change in, in strategy as to how you make sure that even people who oppose you have an opportunity to make those opinions heard, to be listened to, whether or not you disagree with it, is something totally different.
0: All right. Um, Sam, before we leave this subject, one last element of it. And I'd really specifically like to ask you about it as the former attorney general of the state. Um, Mike Thurman just pointed out that we haven't seen violent episodes uh, recently uh, at the site. But we did see them earlier on. And as you well know, uh, some of the people who were arrested have been charged with domestic terrorism. There's been some criticism of Governor Kemp and uh, and uh, others in the administration for uh, label if for that label and that p- specific charge. I mean, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you if you feel that's the appropriate charge.
2: You know, I I think it's unfortunate to seek to answer that question if you weren't there in person. Uh, I I really think the charges that uh, public safety officers use um, is best initially determined by those in attendance. And I think thereafter, you let the judicial system do its job. And if the courts view that those charges were excessive, then they'll dismiss them. If those courts view those charges were appropriate, then the matters will continue. But I think it's improper, at least in my opinion, to be a pundit based on 10 seconds of video or a couple newspaper articles. I, I wanna show proper deference to the, the folks at the scene and the judicial system.
0: All right. I, I appreciate that. Just to close this off, Jim, the issue there, though, is that's a backdrop that continues to rile up many of those people who are opponents of the the, the center. And, uh, I, you know, so, so that's all contributed to this us versus them uh, approach that the mayor talks about in his essay
3: right right and 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 uh, a key part of that a key part of that is is the the injection of uh of state patrol officers in that in that incident uh because you now you have you have the state government involved and the state government of course is a is a is a is a republican controlled entity uh and but it was operating on democratically controlled ground at that point so so you do have some you 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 do have some partisanship injected in this thing and it you know I, I I, I I think, you know, a, a charge of domestic terrorism, you know, might have that partisan
0: uh, kind of tint to it. All right. Um, I Thank you all for that conversation. Uh, I do want to move on. Jim, I, I said a couple minutes ago that I think there's a theme that's kind of developing as I look at the topics for today, us versus them. And that's certainly true about this next subject. We now know that Donald Trump is going to make an appearance at the Georgia Republican Party convention, which will be held on, I think, June 10th down in uh, Columbus. By the way, um, I think we're expecting a second presidential candidate to appear there as well. Has that, Sam, you're nodding. Has that been announced yet that somebody else is coming?
2: They haven't announced the candidate yet, no.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Well, we'll wait to hear who that is. But the point, Jim, is Donald Trump is coming to the state Republican Party convention, Governor Kemp, Chris Carr, Insurance Commissioner John King, others in the administration. Republicans are not um, because there is a clear split between the MAGA Republicans, like David Schaefer, the chair of the party, and Governor Kemp and his allies, right? Right, right. Uh, you left uh, Brad
3: Raffensperger. I don't think is going to be, right. uh, be, 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 there, right. be there as 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 well. And of course, Schaefer is going to be the out, out uh, outgoing uh, is the exiting uh, 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 chairman of the state GOP. He's got his own legal problems connected to to uh, the the 2022 election. And I, I believe, I, I think, I, w- I would say probably Josh McCoon, uh, the former state senator from Columbus is probably the 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 most likely to to be elected to to replace him. I think this is this is going to be fascinating. Uh this is, uh, I believe it's the first week in June uh, that this is going to be held. And and you, you have this this kind of uh uh it's not just Donald Trump that's going to uh, that that's that's that fascinates me here. It's 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 uh that Lieutenant Governor Bur Jones is going to be the state headliner if you will. Uh, and then you have Marjorie Taylor Greene, of course. And, and, and you've got this really interesting partnership, this triumvirate that right there. And, you, and, and, and they are laying some bets that this is the future of the state GOP. Uh, and uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out uh, uh, over over the next
0: uh, say say the next two years of of the of Brian Kemp's term, Sam, uh, as we looked at the county gatherings of Republicans uh, preparing for the state convention, we know that in a number of counties, it was far right Republicans who were elected to uh, be at the convention in delegate roles. Uh, so there clearly continues to be a strong MAGA wing of the state party here. What, Sam, where does this all head? You have been a long time. We talked about it at the very start of the show. You have been a long time uh, elected official, identified as a Republican, and now you're sort of in a place where you don't know where to turn.
2: So CEO Thurman has invited me to high-tea that day. So I'm going to be at this house, uh, here to some mean pot of tea. Uh, you know, politics uh, goes often from one extreme to another. Uh, I think we're watching that with both parties. Um, As liberal as the president's policies may be, many on the left think he's still too moderate. The Republican Party clearly seems to be going further and further to the right. And I think the unfortunate thing is the majority of Americans are much closer to the center and we're left on the sidelines.
0: Um, Sam, I want to ask you one more question uh, before I, I ask uh, Mike Thurman to jump into this. Um, Cody Hall, who, as you know, has been a longtime uh, uh, advisor to uh, Governor Kemp, he's now running the Governor's Super PAC, was on our show the other day. And we asked Cody whether if Donald Trump becomes a nominee of the party, Governor Kemp would support him uh, for the presidency. And Cody Hall was a little bit cautious, but essentially said, I would imagine, yes, that will happen. I, I found that to be uh, politically uh, the right thing for a Cody Hall to say, and maybe, but I was surprised to think that that could possibly happen, Sam.
2: Well, you also pro- caught him by surprise where you didn't have a chance to thoroughly think about. A response and he is a very sharp young man and he's done an excellent job for the for the governor. Um, you know, I know the uh lawyer well, who's going to be the lawyer for Governor DeSantis in his campaign. And uh while all the polls show President Trump is the big favorite, uh, we all know that two months is a lifetime in politics. And there's a lot that can and will happen between now and any nomination.
3: Jim, yeah, well, no, I, I, I didn't listen to the entire program you had with with with, with Cody uh, the other day, uh, but An I do want to say, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, uh, just a, just a confession, a confession, okay, uh, but but you know. It, there's been some reporting uh, by 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 Greg Bluestein and others that the Kemp is is not doing the things uh, that he needs to do uh, if if he's if he's running for president, but he's doing exactly what he needs to do if he's running for vice president. Mm-hmm. I, I think I, I think that's I think it's that's that that's very clear. Uh, and this visit to, to Israel that he's taking is 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 one of those pro forma stops that you have to have to make if you want to kind of be considered a, a, with somebody with at least a minimum of, of foreign policy credentials.
0: Uh, but you'd also say, Jim, that uh, Kemp has been all about developing business as much as possible. He's made any, he's made other foreign trips. So I see it's sort of double edged, isn't it? I mean, it's partly Israel is still a place you turn where you want to bring investors and businesses into the state.
3: Oh, absolutely. No, no, this is all, you know, this is, this is kind of like a book tour. It's, it's all, it's all deniable. You know, you're just, you're, you're, <laughs> you, you can do it for, 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 for several reasons. Uh, and that's, but, but that's, that's
0: part of the game plan, I think. Mike, um, I'm more than happy to give you a chance to comment on your people on the other side of the aisle, uh, if you want, but, but I'd like, to really pick up on something that Sam Olden said in talking about how some Democrats on the other side are uh, not particularly happy with the fact that Joe Biden is playing the moderate card for the most part right now in the debt ceiling talks. There are a number of articles this morning that suggest that um, Biden is talking to Kevin McCarthy about a compromise on the issue of having some kind of work requirement in exchange for uh, social benefits like um, Medicaid payments, that sort of thing. And uh, people like AOC and others, and Bernie Sanders, speaking out and saying there's no way we can accept that. So Democrats are not exactly all lined up in uh, in lockstep either.
1: Well, that's true. And let me come back to that particular uh, circumstance. I, I want. I actually want to speak on what is happening in the Georgia Republican Party. Uh, and let me. And I thought about it on the flight back to Atlanta a great deal. Look, I disagree with Governor Kemp on uh, his position on constitutional care. I disagree with him uh, on not expanding Medicaid. I disagree with him uh, on the woman's right to choose. But let me say this: I'm actually proud of him for standing up to the MAGA wing of the Republican Party. Most politicians would have retreated or conceded. And I think it's, you know, and I can appreciate political courage even in opponents camps. This shows some courage to me not to kowtow to a Trump-infused extreme wing of the Republican Party. I think we're witnessing something else. And Chief Galloway and and Attorney General Ole, you all saw it. I believe that a political realignment is taking place in the state of Georgia. Not that people are going to switch parties, but clearly the Republican Party has left a significant percentage of mainstream Republicans. When you have the governor and the Secretary of State and the Attorney General just saying no, I'm not going to do it. Think about the people like Sam Owens, who also eat not physically, but just philosophically will not attend that meeting as well. So I see a political realignment taking place. People won't be shifting from party to party. But clearly, philosophically, people are saying, no, And you got to give Kemp credit for having the courage to do it.
0: Um, Thank you for that. Sam, before I've got to get to a break, one final uh, point about this conversation. As we've discussed on this show a couple times this week, uh, our friend Mark Roundtree over at Landmark Communications uh, uh, released a poll of uh, Republican voters in Georgia. I think the sample size was about 800 people. And um, it does show Donald Trump with 40 percent of the Republican vote compared to 32 percent. For Ron DeSantis, who is going to probably announce his candidacy next week. Um, but maybe the most important thing about that poll, although you said it already, things change very quickly in politics. Only 6% of the people polled said they were going to change their mind about who they want for a uh, president. Sam?
2: Yeah, that's irrelevant. I mean, you know, let's face it. Three weeks ago, people thought Ron DeSantis' campaign for president was done. Now people are looking forward to his announcement next week. Time flies really fast in in politics. Um, In August, you may have some indictments that raise some national and global attention. You may have some in D.C., Regarding January 6 and uh documents at Mar-a-Lago. Um, uh, these things are all gonna play a part of the calculus. Um, uh, and we need to let them play out. Yeah. Jim, and, you want to make a quick I,
0: comment before y- the break? Yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah, just to jump in, you know, an eight percent lead, uh Trump over DeSantis is no bulwark
0: against those charges. DeSantis no, and it's far closer, and it's far closer than any national poll. Uh, between Trump and DeSantis, where Trump is clobbering uh, DeSantis. I thought that was an interesting aspect of this as well. By the way, before we break, Sam referred to it just now, and we're going to talk about it in more detail as uh, we get more information on Monday. But the New York Times reported this morning that there are a variety of reasons to think that Fonnie Willis is now looking at returning potential indictments against Donald Trump and others in the month of August. She, the Times reports, she has told her staff that they're going to work remotely during a good part of the month. She's got a grand jury that will be impaneled from the 1st of August to the 18th. She seems to be clearing the way to protect her people, uh, even as she looks at whether the grand jury is likely to return indictments against Trump and others. So that is going to be a huge event in the state of Georgia. Let's get to our first break, back with more in a moment. Jim Galloway, Sam Olens, and Michael Thurman join us for today's political rewind. Um, Jim, uh, uh, Natalie Mendenhall, Chase McGee, and I are working on a show that we're I think we're going to do next Wednesday, in which we're going to talk uh to a a journalist, a couple of journalism professors, um, Kevin Riley, who's now stepped down as editor in chief of the AJC. And what we're going to talk about are how the thorny questions of how media is going to cover. Uh, aspects of the election moving forward. What is the responsibility to cover Donald Trump? CNN found itself um, in a lot of hot water with many people for holding the town hall meeting with uh, Trump, although he is the leading candidate in the Republican Party. And we're going to talk about what do we do about coverage of, and this leads us to our next point of conversation, Marjorie Taylor Greene. She's back in the news Uh, for a couple of reasons right now. She's filing impeachment charges up against President Biden, against the Attorney General Merrick Garland, um, against FBI Director Chris Wray, and that's just a starting point. And the White House calls it a publicity stunt, and it's hard not to see it as just that, Jim.
3: Uh, Yeah, you know, uh, the Republicans are talking about... uh... Work requirements for federal b- benefits. I, I would kind of like to see that applied to members of Congress. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, uh, it, look, this is it, it, this has always been a problem with journalism. How do you cover the extremes? And and uh, you know, on one at one point, uh, on, on one one hand, you, you've got a responsibility to monitor what they're doing, what they're saying. Because it can things can go so easily awry, and, and the other, but the, on the other hand, you don't want to be a part of their of of their machine, and and of course you know Marjorie Taylor Greene is is probably the biggest uh, that's that that she's the biggest uh, the greatest example of that at least in, in terms of Georgia journalism. Uh, how do you cover somebody like that, who clearly isn't there uh, making your points with legislation in mind? Uh, and you know clearly there's just as clearly there's 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 a a campaign fundraising uh, uh object here that we're talking about and you don't want to be a part of that but on the other hand you know when you when you when you have uh, some someone like congresswoman green at a at a at a hearing engaging uh, in in engaging with uh, with a witness in a in a, in a very inappropriate way and in a very untraditional way, as far as Congress goes, you do have to pay attention to it.
0: Well, and I, I want to, Mike Thurman, talk about an issue which um, is also in the news about Marjorie Taylor Greene right now. And let me just set it up briefly, and I'm going to play a little sound. Um, in at, On the steps of the House yesterday, um, Mar- uh, 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 Representative Jamal Bowman from New York, uh, he's a Democrat. And uh, George Santos was out talking to reporters, and Bowman started kind of shouting at him, uh, you resign, you throw him out of the party, whatever. So Bowman was, was making a little bit of noise. Marjorie Taylor Greene was there. Uh, she and Bowman had an exchange, which if you watch the video of it, it looks fairly harmless. Um, they're exchanging uh, arguments, uh, but it certainly doesn't appear to be anything particularly threatening. So let me, though, play for you what Marjorie Taylor Greene said about that so-called confrontation to reporters afterward. Uh, And let's listen to that now, and then we're going to listen to Jamal Bowman in a couple of minutes.
2: But I will tell you what's on video is Jamal Bowman shouting at the top of his lungs, cursing, calling me a horrible, calling me a white supremacist, which I take great offense to. That is like calling a person of color the N-word, which should never happen. And then at, on the Capitol steps yesterday, yelling, shouting, raising his voice. He has aggressive, uh, his, his physical mannerisms are aggressive. I think there's a lot of concern about Jamal Bowman. So, and, and I am concerned about it. I feel threatened
1: by him.
0: Uh, Mike Thurman, let's also listen now to Jamal Bowman responding to what Marjorie Taylor Greene said.
1: Majority Taylor Green
3: in her press conference this morning said something incredibly dangerous and incredibly reckless about me, talking about my demeanor as being aggressive and saying that she feels intimidated by me. Unfortunately, this country has a history of characterizing Black men who are outspoken, who stand their ground, and who push back as being threatening or intimidating. So she's not even using a dog whistle. She's using a bullhorn to put a target on my back to the people that she refers to as MAGA people out there who might want to cause harm.
1: Mike? Well, it, the congressman from New York spoke very accurately. I was going to use the term dog whistle. Uh, I, and I heard his comments just then when he said it was actually a bullhorn. And those are those uh, hidden... Uh, very dangerous, subtle words that have been used for centuries uh, to justify uh, violence, particularly against African-American men. Uh, it would do all of us well as a nation if if number one, Ms. Green and all the Congress would step back and recognize that innocent lives could be lost as a result of words spoken. Uh, I don't think uh, it becomes this nation, the state of Georgia or her constituents well uh, to engage in that type of rhetoric. I just don't. It's sad. And it, it just cannot be justified in any circumstance.
0: Sam, I, I know this is an I, I know you, Sam Olens. this is not something that you're eager to talk about. And Marjorie Taylor Greene is someone who you do not want to uh, promote in any way. But isn't it confrontations like this that make it a, a responsibility to be able to publicize what uh, what she's saying and doing?
2: Well, of course, but 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 once again, the the harm is on both sides of the political aisle. I'm reminded of folks a couple of years ago that went after people working at the White House when they were sitting down as a restaurant and told folks to go after them because they disagreed with their policies. Um, well, it, it doesn't make it right whether you're on the left or the right. Civility is in short supply in our country. And when you have someone walking in a congressman's office in Virginia in the last week with a baseball bat, seriously hurting two employees, it makes no difference whether the folks were Republican, Democrat, white or black. It's totally wrong. And everyone who likes to um, be a talking head for extremism needs to stop and to stop now.
0: Um, Jim, I don't see how things are changing. I said the theme of this show is us against them. Here's another example of that. Our, our, you made the point yourself. The dialogue is getting coarser, um, more confrontational. Um, more potentially dangerous, and um, it's, it, it leaves us with a certain amount of despair about our abilities to um, see our elected officials come together and solve problems for the country.
3: Right, and, and, and at the root of this, I think the problem is that we have monetized extremism. We have made it financially profitable for people to take those positions to say those words uh, it's, it, it's, it's the, it, whether it's social media or citizens United, we have, we have, we've, uh, we've made, I mean, Marjorie Taylor's greens, uh, value to, to, uh, uh, the house Republican caucus isn't based on her intellect. It's not based on the legislation she's posted. It's, it's not, it's not based, it's based on, on her ability to raise millions and millions of dollars by doing what she does. And until we can find a way out of that dilemma, I think we're going to have to live with
0: it. All right, Jim Galloway, you get the last word on this segment of Political Rewind. We're going to take another break and come back with more on today's show. Sam Olands, if I could, I'd like to start with you on on a story that's kind of a footnote compared to the major political news that um, is happening uh, in the state and in the country right now. But I think it's another example of us versus them thinking. Um, this past week, the Fulton County Chair Rob Pitts, who's in a position where he had to name a new uh, election board chair for the county, decided that the job should go to Lee Morris. Lee Morris longtime Republican, but someone who is over the years, I think, and you'll certainly correct me if I'm wrong, has shown himself to be a thoughtful, uh, bipartisan-style, political-elected official. So Morris was named by uh, Pitts to run the election board, and Democrats were outraged and were so angry about it that Rob Pitts had to withdraw Lee Morris's name and appoint a, a, a Democrat in his place. Is this an example of our not being able to work across party lines? Do I have that right, do you think?
2: So I think uh, Lee Morris withdrew his name. So temporally, that's an important distinction. Thank you for um, and, that. Thank you. And Lee Morris is a super public servant, previously still at the Atlanta City Council, Involved in numerous nonprofit uh, organizations, the commission. Um, it was very unfortunate. Number one, you had an individual, unlike many of the others on that board, whose integrity is beyond reproach, who uh, isn't vehemently aligned uh, with extreme beliefs. Secondly, when you know that there's been discussion and hearings with regard to the Fulton County Board of Elections, having Lee on that board would have actually been very helpful to the Democrats. And the decision to force his withdrawal will urge some in the Republican Party to once again go after the Fulton County Board of Elections. Now, having said that, let me finish by saying that Patrice Perkins Hooker is a great person. I went to law school with Patrice, uh, so I've known her a long, long time. And she also is a highly ethical individual, uh, full of integrity. But unfortunately, she now walks into that position with the scars that occurred with the
0: withdrawal of Lee Morris. Thank you for that, uh, Sam. Mike, uh, this also calls additional attention to all of the controversies that uh, surround election boards across the state and concerns about their partisan nature and that they may be acting with uh, partisan interests rather than the, the kind of objective responsibilities uh, they have. Your take on all this, Mike?
1: Well, consider recent legislation that was passed and signed into law that prevents local election boards from receiving grants. Uh, built on the perceived idea that that's a partisan uh, uh, agenda associated with it. It's the politicization of the election process. And what we're really going to have to do, Bill, is that we really have to focus on building a statewide consensus about what it means to be a Georgian and how we can progress this state. None of us should believe that this hyper-partisanship is not undermining our ability to progress this state. We're losing out on opportunities to improve uh, public education, losing out on opportunities to improve health care, losing out on opportunities actually to bring more business and develop more <coughs> jobs here in the state. This is having an impact. And at some point, I just believe, I'm convinced that the voters are going to say enough is enough and we're going to move into a different direction. Remember what I said, I believe a political realignment is taking place. Uh, The extreme of the Republican Party does not represent the majority of Republicans in this state right now. I just don't believe it. And you're seeing it by the fact that leading Republicans are abandoning the party because of that. I'm not saying they're going to be Democrats, but I do believe that a consensus is building somewhere closer to the center that might allow us to move forward.
3: Jim, yeah, I, I'm I'm glad Sam made that the point uh, because I do th- I do think that's where Rob Pitts, uh, the chairman of the Fulton County Commission, was coming from. That he was trying to inoculate his county. From uh, uh, to a certain degree, from 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 those those incursions by by state government on in, into into the Fulton County elect uh, electoral system, and and I don't know what I I don't know when the terms of of other Republican board members are going to be. The, the boards is I think is three two republic uh, three, three, Democratic now. I don't know what uh, whether uh when the uh, other Republican member terms are are up, but I sure would like to see uh. Uh, uh uh lee morris appointed to one of those positions when they become open because i th- i do think i do think that he 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 brings kind of that he he brings a, the the sam Olin wing of the republican party uh into into the debate and i think that's they're very much missing
0: all right uh thank you for that um yesterday and and mike i'd like to start with you on this if i might yesterday Raphael warnock and lucy mcbeth were uh, they held a news conference up on Capitol Hill to talk about gun violence. Warnock spoke about uh, Martin Luther King's assassination. Um, King's mother, Alberta King, killed by a gunman. Um, Mrs. King was killed in the sanctuary, as we were, you know, realize, of Ebenezer Baptist Church, where Warnock is now the senior pastor. And Warnock said this. He says, this was before the automatic weapons that we're now seeing on our streets there would have been a whole lot more carnage were that to happen today. And so I feel a deep sense of moral urgency. We all have a moral obligation not to turn away. Um, so, Mike, I think you've been involved in a CDC conference on gun violence, and I'm, I'm wondering what you think can come out of an effort by CDC to get more involved in uh, uh, tracking gun violence uh, as they move forward.
1: Uh, Yes. Uh, The last two days in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, I was invited uh, national data collection and and analysts from all over the country uh, came together to see how we can use data to help policymakers uh, develop more effective policy and appropriations. Uh, While the senator and the Congress lady was having that press conference, we were actually at the conference. So one of the things that I said that I'll share with you right now, is that what we have to do is we we have to disaggregate uh, Second Amendment protections for law-abiding citizens to either recreate or, or protect themselves from the availability of guns to people who are mentally deranged or racist, who wanna walk into supermarkets or hospitals or doctor's offices and kill innocent people. I do not believe that Second Amendment that our founding fathers contemplated in any way protecting the right of criminals to rob and murder and maim or mentally deranged people to kill innocent people or racists to hunt down Black folk or anyone else and murder them. That's not the Second Amendment. So we can, I believe, if we disaggregate protection for law-abiding citizens from those who seek to break laws and harm people, there is an opening. There's a consensus around restricting access to people with mental illness. I've heard numerous Republicans speak to that. We need to establish this beachhead and work together to limit access to these guns. When you have 18, 19, look, in my county, when my police officers are putting their lives on the line every day trying to police areas where you have 18, 17-year-old kids with automatic uh, rifles, uh, without gun in many ways. That's not the intent of the Second Amendment. And see, these unlimited constitutional carry laws that I spoke of is creating an unfunded mandate on local police and safety uh, uh, departments. Unfunded. Hundreds of millions of dollars we're spending trying to protect law-abiding citizens.
0: Sam, um, Mark Rosenberg, who back in the 90s at CDC was the official who launched the first effort for CDC to document gun violence, to collect data on it. He's continuing. He's been on our show a couple of times. He continues to talk about ways to deal with what Mike has just talked about. And one of the things he says is it's time that each side stop demonizing the other, that you're never going to get anywhere if you can't find a way for people who believe in their rights to uh, have guns uh, can't find a way to talk openly with those who feel there ought to be restrictions and that the demonization is part of the problem. Your thoughts?
2: So you have a small group of people ruling the issue. Uh, and uh, and I think mainstream Americans fully appreciate that there uh, is a right to have guns but that right is not unlimited. And Georgia is one of many states that can't seem to pass a red flag law that would be efficient and fair. There is no reason someone with a documented mental health history should have access to a weapon. And when there's a concern, you have an immediate court hearing that protects that individual's rights. And that's the essence of a red flag law.
0: All right, Um, Sam Olin, you get the last word in today's Political Rewind. We are completely out of time. I really appreciate Sam Olin's Michael Thurman and Jim Galloway. I threw a lot of subjects at you, and it was wonderful to hear your smart analysis of news of politics right now. We'll be back again with a brand new show on Monday. Uh, Until then, I hope you all have a great weekend. I'm Bill Nygut. Take care, stay healthy, and please be good to one another. Bye, everybody.